Hi, online church family. I'm so glad that you could meet with us here. We're about to go into a preach that I delivered recently, and I really hope this blesses you, it inspires you, it takes you further in your walk with God. That's my heart for you as you watch this. And if it really does bless you, why don't you go ahead and share it with someone who you think needs to hear it? Uh, make sure you click like and subscribe so you don't miss any of our messages here that we upload weekly. And um, jump in the chat so we can connect with you as well so you're not a stranger. So sit back and enjoy. I hope that you get blessed. There are so many different titles I wanted to give this message and I went with the most generic one. What did I call it? It was always about your seed. Yes, it's all about your seed. There are lots of different titles I could have given this, but fundamentally the concept is generations. Is that we need to understand that our existence here on this earth is for the purpose of generations. Culture tries to tell us just to live for right now and to live for ourselves, that this moment is all that matters, and it's not true. The kingdom of God thinks generationally. The kingdom, the kingdom of God always looks beyond self. And so generations is the core of this, this message this morning. I wanna let you know that there's greatness on the inside of you. Can you just say that to yourself? There's greatness in me. For some of us in the room, we've never said that to ourselves before. There's greatness in me. There's greatness in me and it's bigger and more influential than I realize. The potential cradled on the inside of you is the seed of heaven. And heaven never does anything on a mediocre scale. You and I are holy incubators of the things of God. Heaven is inside you. Greatness is inside you. And the seed that's in you is a threat to the forces of darkness. And so as a result, that seed will suffer resistance. But we have to resist the resistance. Can you say that? Resist the resistance. When you come under resistance, you have to resist it. Don't just curl up in a corner or assume the dead cockroach position. When resistance comes against you, you have to rise up and push back. When I was, um, for my 30th birthday, a group of girlfriends got together and paid for me to go skydiving best experience ever. If you haven't done it, I'll go with you, all right? I just want to do it over and over again. Um, I'm just waiting for Maya and I to go together. I was trying to get her to do it for her 16th birthday. It's the best fun. But when you're going up in the plane and you each have your own tandem instructor and this person does it several times a day, like what a cool job. And he was telling me, when you jump out, the velocity that opposes you is so strong that it will take your breath away if you don't like scream and push against the velocity that's coming against you. And so I don't know whether he was for real or whether he just gets kicks out of people screaming. I mean, if you do it five times a day, that's gonna be fun, right? Watching different people scream. And anyway, but it was true. When I jumped out, I had to push as hard as I could. Otherwise, I felt like my breath was being pushed back into my body. I had to resist the resistance. 
And sometimes that's what it feels like. The force is so strong, but you have to push that way to overcome the force that's coming against you. So that could be one of the titles for this morning, Resist the Resistance. The thing for us to realize is that the enemy is not really fighting us. The enemy's not really fighting you. He's fighting what he knows is in you. So at some point, we have to get over ourselves. This is your pastor telling you to get over yourself. (laughs) That it's not about you, actually. It's about what's in you. It's about what's coming through you. So our anchor scripture this morning is in Genesis 3.15, where God is speaking to the serpent who has deceived Eve. And he says to the serpent, I will put enmity, open hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring, your seed, and her seed. Do you see lowercase and uppercase S's? And her seed will fatally bruise your head, and you shall only bruise his heel. So another alternative title for this morning is the battle of the bruises, the bruisers the ones who will bring bruises. There's a battle between your seed and the enemy. And the enemy has always hated the woman because of her seed. And the seed in you is the seed of generations. On Mother's Day, you need to recognize that this is generational. It is the people within the people. And he's always been after your seed because this is a generational conversation. Because he knows that when you get free, everyone around you gets free. He knows that when you get free, your impact is far and wide. And so he just wants to take you out, not because it's about you, but because of your impact. Because of your impact, sweetheart, your seed was destined in Eden to do damage to darkness. The enemy knows that when you break addictions, when you break generational curses, when you rise up and shut down wrong mindsets, when you overcome, you are going to bring impact and change to the generations around you. And so he wants to bring you down because he knows that. He knows the world will shift when you get free. He knows that your seed will fatally bruise his head. And he knows your children will be free, their children will be free, and every generation will be free. And when the gospel truly touches your life, it turns outward and starts touching the lives of the people around you. Now, circumstances are real, and the only thing the enemy can bring against you are circumstances. And I think I can probably qualify now to say circumstances sometimes are no joke. But I want to tell you, your choices are more powerful than your circumstances. Someone needs to hear that this morning. Your choices are more powerful than your circumstances. Your choices are more powerful 
than curses and generational patterns. Your choices. Your choices. And it may be a daily choice. It may be an hour by hour choice. But your choices are way more powerful than any circumstance or anything the enemy can throw at you. You choose. In Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. You know, I was thinking this week that the Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. It doesn't say anything about women. That may be heresy. But I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Thank you very much. And I can do all things through Christ who makes me sufficient in Him. Listen to this. I am ready for anything and equal to anything. Carolina, you are ready for anything and equal to anything through Him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. Isn't that awesome? That's the Word of God, my friends. Romans 8.11 says, The same Spirit who raised Christ from the dead dwells in us and invigorates us and enlightens us and motivates and moves and empowers us, that same Spirit. And so this morning I want to talk about three three areas or three time frames or three occasions that the enemy might come at us to limit our seed. Ability, capacity, and maturity. And the first one is, and they're not in order, but one of the areas is in our ability. Our ability to bring forth seed, the seed of the generations. Because the enemy will try to limit our ability to bring forth the generational seed. Abraham and Sarah were promised that they would be the parents of nations, and yet they didn't have any children. They were limited in their ability to bring about the promise. And God actually gave them this promise, and they didn't hold their son Isaac for another 25 years. So for 25 years, they were completely barren, and by the time Sarah gave birth to Isaac, she was 90 years old. And we live in a microwave McDonald's drive through generation where we think we can hear the promise of God and get it today. Right now at the altar when someone prophesies over us, it says, thank you, Jesus. But can you actually hold on to the promise for 25 years through impossible circumstances? When the enemy comes around your ability to bring forth the generational seed, can you hang on to the promise? Can you hang on? And they made mistakes along the way. They even tried to take it into their own hands. They thought, well, maybe God needs our help. Have you ever thought that? God, let me just help you out. And so Abraham slept with his servant with Sarah's permission and had a son with her, thinking, well, maybe this is how I'm going to have sons and a nation and that turned out terribly I want to tell you God doesn't need your help he doesn't need you to justify why it's taking so long he doesn't need you to explain it to your family and friends like as if his reputation is in danger he can uphold his own reputation 
And I just want to let you know that he'll do a much better job of it than you will. But can you hang on to the promise? Because in the face of impossible circumstances, the enemy gets around our ability. The dream, the idea, the strategy, the calling, the purpose is shrouded by impossible circumstances. I mean, 100 years old and 90 years old. 25-year wait, it was impossible. But because the power of the seed is supernatural, it means when it comes, you and I can't take credit for it. And that's where we have to trust God because it's in His plan. There are kings and nations inside of you and God will wait. He'll wait. And I want to tell you, He's never late. He's never late. We feel like He is because we're inside of time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 12 months in a year. God's outside of time. And so He's never in a hurry. And he will come at just the right time and bring about the promise at just the right time. But he who promised is able and we need to stand on that promise. He'll wait. And because he's God, your limitations and your circumstances are no hindrance to him. And so at the age of 90, Sarah became a mother and God made her able to do the thing she was not able to do. And he waited until the least favorable circumstances. Isn't that just God? He renamed her and he made her able. The seed is not threatened by circumstances because it's a generational seed. And between Abraham and Jesus is 42 generations. Can you see that far? 42 generations between Abraham and Jesus. And Galatians talks about it in Galatians 3. Now Abraham and his seed, to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Jesus, 42 generations later, bruised the enemy's head. There's a fight going on because the seed of the righteous brings breakthrough for generations. But God overrides our inability and our circumstances The second area the enemy can get around is another big one, and that is our capacity. Our capacity. How big is your capacity? I want to ask you this morning, are you big enough for God to bless you? Most of us are too small. Most of us have thinking that is far too small. And what God wants to do for us is not actually allowed by our own capacity. It's restricted by our own capacity. Sam always used to say the only limitations God puts on himself is us. And and Cam so brilliantly last week preached about, is your vision big enough to honor God? And if I'm honest, after decades of pastoring, I would say that most of the church has vision too small to honor God. We think too small. Hannah in the Old Testament couldn't fall pregnant and she just wanted a son. And she was loved and she was a worshiper and all the circumstances were perfect, but her capacity was too small. 
Her capacity, her thinking, her concept was too small. She didn't think big enough. Her desires didn't move heaven. I want to tell you, if your conversation with God is not generational, it'll be over very quickly. You need to think bigger. She saw her household. God saw the nation. She wanted a son. God wanted a national leader. Because anyone can birth a son, but it's God who institutes kings. And anyone can make a home, but it's God who establishes nations. And so it wasn't until Sarah's prayer changed from introspective, I want a baby, to influence, my baby will change nations, that God moved. Some of us are thinking way too small. We need to think bigger. Our capacity has to grow. In 1 Samuel 19, it says, Crushed in soul, Hannah prayed to God and cried and cried inconsolably. And she made a a vow. God of the angel armies, if you take a good hard look at my pain, if you quit neglecting me and go into action for me by giving me a son, I will give him completely and unreservedly to you. I'll set him apart for a life of holy discipline. Have you prayed that? Or are you hanging on to your cute little family? Mum, dad, and 2.5 children. God's not interested in cute little families. God's interested in kings and nations. And that's what's inside you. God wants to enlarge your vision, enlarge your capacity. You are incubating national change. Those small ones at your table are the face of national change, international change. Do you know the gospel has been the most civilizing force in all of history? The gospel civilizes nations. The message of Jesus has a redemptive power for entire communities. It's the gospel that reforms economics, education, health, welfare, entire cities, nations, and generations. It's the gospel. And that gospel that we put into our children and the generations is what will change the world. It's the gospel of Jesus that brings reformation. We're not called to raise cute, quiet little families. I'm tired of cute, quiet little families. We're not called to sit in happy, clappy churches. This is a message that brings societal change for the better. Thank you. Praise break. A few days after Sam's service, I don't know what day it was, I was lying on the floor in my bedroom and I just said to God, how is it fair? How is it fair that all these men get to enjoy their wives and children and Sam doesn't? And he said to me, Carolina, it was never about you and Sam. It was always about your seed. Get up. It's about your seed. It's never even about Sam. It was never even about you. 
It's about your seed. Get off the floor. And I knew I had to preach this morning. I think I texted Amanda maybe that night or the next morning, don't take me off the roster. I need to preach on Mother's Day because it was always about your seed. It was always about your seed. He's not fighting you. He's fighting for your seed. And when you know the power of what's in you, it will govern every decision you make. When you know what's at stake, you will not settle or sell out or fall in a heap. It's about your seed. And when Samuel was born to Hannah, she dedicated him to the Lord. And eventually he became the greatest leader that Israel had seen. He recognized kings and anointed kings. He mentored and advised and counseled kings. He maintained the voice of God in a nation that had not heard the voice of God. He led a nation and turned it around. He bruised the plans of the darkness over his nation because a woman's capacity enlarged to know I don't want a son, God. You want a king. You want a leader. You want a nation. And the final area I just want to bring to our attention is maturity, the maturation of the seed. The enemy will come around our ability, he'll come around our capacity, but he'll also come around the potential maturation of your seed. If you think about Moses and Jesus, Moses was a deliverer, Jesus was the deliverer. And what happened at the time of their births? The infanticide. The enemy inspired the leaders of those times to kill every child up to the age of two. Why? Because he knew there was a deliverer coming. This week, our friend Luke Howarth put me in touch with Tishan Johnson, who's the director of Cherish Life. And we had a great conversation. The laws around abortion in our nation and the nations of the world are exactly the same as what took place when Moses and Jesus were being born. Why? Because the enemy knows there are deliverers coming. We will not ever address domestic violence, racism, abuse, neglect, as long as we agree to terminating the unborn. It is the most fundamental building block of justice, of humanity. We can't pretend to care about anything else while we're allowing a genocide to take place. And the church needs to understand the reality of this. There is a generation of deliverers coming. And doesn't our generation need deliverers? We need deliverers. We have to rise up and speak. We have to see it for what it is. I was talking to Tishan about the language around it. We have to take back the language. This is legalized murder. It is a genocide. Why? Because the enemy knows what's inside you. He knows what's coming. He knows his days are numbered. But I want to remind you that he wasn't successful with Moses 
and he wasn't successful with Jesus. And so he will not be successful in this generation either. And I wanna say to you that your seed will come to maturity. I wanna declare over your life that the Spirit of God will protect your seed and bring it into maturity. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work is faithful to bring it to completion. Moses survived and delivered a nation. Jesus survived and delivered all of humanity. And so we will raise a generation of deliverers. Amen. As long as we stay submitted to God's word, as long as we continue to head in the direction of the promptings and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. My mum said to me this week, the only strong people in the world are the ones who are obedient to God. Let me say that again. The only strong people in the world are the ones who are obedient to God. Isn't that true? As long as we stay obedient to God, as long as we resist the resistance, the generations will bring heaven to earth. I believe it. And I believe that God is on the move. And I believe He's opening our hearts and our language and our understanding. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it not just in glimmers, but I'm seeing a move. I'm seeing a move as people's spirits are coming alive and being awakened. I'm seeing it. It's, it's picking up momentum and picking up force.